episode eight of the Go Get Em Agility podcast. My name is Margaret Hughes and I'm your host. There are so many people wondering, how can I get into agility? How do I start? What do I do? And I'm talking about beginning, beginning dog agility. Does beginning dog agility start with the equipment? Does it start with reading about it? Does it begin with handler training? A lot of people wanna just start sending the dogs over the equipment, getting them uh, running through weave poles and over jumps. And is that where dog agility starts is with the equipment. What is the process of learning dog agility? Let me just start with this. Dog agility is an off leash sport. We are asking our dogs to travel around an agility course, transitioning from handler focus to obstacle focus, and then back to handler focus, back to obstacle focus over and over and over again. And it happens lickety split. So those dogs that you see on television, they're not running around the arena doing equipment that they want to do. They do enjoy it, but they are taking direction from their handlers. They are in handler focus for for a split, split second before they transition back into obstacle focus. So they're doing this dance of handler focus, obstacle focus over and over and over again, lickety split. And we want that nice balance for our dogs to listen to us, to take direction from us, and an understanding to commit to an obstacle when we ask. Dog agility comes down to three things, essentially. It is the relationship and the drive that you have with your dog. It is the dog training part of it. How do we train our dogs to go around obstacles, through obstacles and over obstacles? And then dog agility is about handler training. So in beginning agility, the beginning, beginning, where does it start? It does, and it should start with the relationship, the relationship that you have with your dog and the drive that your dog has not only to learn things, but also their desire to want to engage and interact with obstacles or props, interact with you as their handler. Why? because agility is an off-leash sport. And the minute that we take the dog's leash off, that relationship that you have is going to show. Does your dog immediately look to the ground and start self-rewarding, interacting with the environment? Do they start sniffing? Does your dog stay attentive to you? Look to you immediately for direction and and where, what are we doing? What, asking you the question, what are we doing? Or is it a little bit of both? So building the relationship for off-leash work, whether it be dog agility, obedience, whatever off-leash sport you are going to do, if the dog is used to getting off-leash and taking off on you, then you're going to struggle with agility. You're going to need to work harder on your relationship with your dog and the dog staying in handler focus rather than the dog staying in environmental focus. So a beginning agility should start with the relationship that you have with your dog. 
and how do we build that relationship? How do you become an important part of your dog's everyday life? How do we encourage our dogs to want to stay with us when they are off leash, uh, rather than going into the environment, rather than taking off, rather than sniffing? When we get talking about environmental factors, it gets a little bit complicated because when our dogs start to stress or when we start stressing or putting too much pressure on our dogs, the dogs will seek out the environment to make themselves feel better. And sniffing is one way that dogs make themselves feel better. Scratching is one way that dogs make themselves feel better. They it also enjoy it. They just genuinely enjoy sniffing. They genuinely enjoy smelling other dogs, smelling the dirt. Um, they don't smell the flowers all the time, but they will smell the dirt. They will smell the grass because it is self-rewarding to them and it makes them feel better. When we ask them to do equipment, is there a clear understanding on the dog training part of it that, is, that may be affecting the relationship? They, very, they genuinely may be stressed in class. The other dogs may stress them out. The instructor may stress them out. Just the noise and uh, of being in an environment that is new to them may stress them out. The equipment, learning the equipment may stress your dog out. And so rather than melting into the ground and trying to, to, to leave the relationship, they will sniff, they will scratch. So they may be trying to fix the relationship, but you're ignoring them. You're not, you don't have the tools yet. Um, the relationship isn't strong enough yet to be off leash in a new environment. Perhaps the relationship isn't strong enough to be in your backyard off leash. Uh, you know, if you go out in the backyard, does your dog immediately go to the corners of your yard and start, you know, doing what they want to do or do they look to you for direction and instruction? Do they want to be with you in your own backyard? Do they want to be with you in your front yard? If you can't get the relationship built in those two places first, then being at an agility class with other dogs, other handlers, other noises, and the stress of learning may be too much. So we have to start building the relationship at home first before we start building the relationship at an agility class. When we're building a relationship with our dogs, it is important that we are aware of what we actually want. Um, is the desired behavior that we want, is that behavior going up or is it going down? Is it increasing in frequency or is it decreasing in frequency? And whatever behavior we want, if it is increasing in frequency, we also want it to increase with the dog's willingness to do it with enthusiasm. And then can they do it on cue? Or is our desired behavior going down? We must be aware and we must stop the downward cycle of the desired behavior as soon as possible um, to not create a problem or create a trained behavior that we don't like. All right, so now let's talk about how do we build relationships? How do dogs interact with us? 
number one, you have to understand that a dog is driven by a primary reinforcer. So are human beings. We are driven by food. We will work hard to get food. We will save for food uh, and water. Dogs are the same way. They require food to live. Food is considered a primary reinforcer. And we can use that primary reinforcer to help build our relationship. Whatever your dog is having for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, in the beginning, when you are trying to build a relationship, use their food that would normally be in a food bowl, use their food in relationship building. Using their food has strong benefits that we can then capitalize on for months, even years to come. When you are starting to build a relationship and periodically throughout my dog's life, I like to take two or three weeks and every single day I hand feed my dog what they would normally get in their food bowl. And this is especially true with puppies. Um, I will hand feed puppies and or my adult dogs to help build the relationship. And anytime I need my relationship built back up, I will go back to hand feeding them for two or three weeks. All I'm doing when I am hand feeding them is I'm putting a few kibbies into my hand or whatever you offer them into a bowl, a, a section of that food into your hand, offer to them, um, they don't have to sit, they don't have to lay down, there's no training. It is just you and the dog hand feeding their food to them, one at a time or a few at a time, but over whatever they would normally get put into their bowl now is coming out of your hand. And I'll do that for two or three weeks, at least one meal a day, if not two. Uh, the, the more relationship I need built, the more I will hand feed my dog. Me and the dog are connecting and we're connecting with that primary reinforcer. Once I have established that I am the source to the reinforcer, that I am the source to their meal and the relationship is building, then I can ask for simple tricks. Let me just put in a side note here. If your dog refuses to eat from your hand, put the food away, put it up on the counter. Uh, don't uh, put it on the floor put the food away, give your dog 30, 40, 50 minutes, and then try again. If they still refuse to eat, put the food away until the next meal. So whether that be, you know, six hours or throughout the night, and then try again. A healthy dog will not go more than 48-ish hours of refusing to eat. And at times you may have to make it super, super easy for them. Um, maybe put one kibby on the floor, see if they'll eat that. And then the next one out of your hand, maybe put it um, in the bowl and you hold the bowl and allow them to eat. You can try putting it on a spoon. If they continue to refuse to eat out of your hand, we may have to look at why. What is going on 
that eating out of your hand they find so adversive that they're not willing to eat a primary reinforcer food that they must have for life to survive why aren't they willing to eat that out of your hand did something happen prior is there something happening around them currently some dogs refuse to eat if the other dog is staring at them so is are there environmental factors in your home that would cause your dog to need to be alone or how can you help your dog environmentally to just be with you and your dog i know that when my daughter was young one of the things that that she struggled with was when she was training her dog my dog would come and invade her space and she needed to isolate herself with her dog in order to get her dog to interact with her because my dog was invading my dog was was taking over the show so to speak and she couldn't work her own dog individually if my dog was even in the room and so she isolated herself uh, you know up in her bedroom she would take her dog she would take her dog into the bathroom places that my dog couldn't get to to allow the training to happen to allow the relationship to build without other environmental factors so is there something that's going on around your dog that your dog finds adversive which is causing your relationship your inability to hand feed your dog um, take a look at that is there something going on again try different ways to see if you can get your dog to eat out of your hand I offer them just one kibby, either a flat hand or pinched fingers, you know, one, one kibby and a pinched finger. Um, if they insist on having the food out of a bowl, you're holding the bowl, maybe on a spoon, uh, maybe starting it with a little bit of peanut butter just to get them started. What is it, what, what can you do to help your dog start to eat out of your hand? Start small and build from there once they're eating out of your hand then we can begin to add in simple tricks sit is easy for some dogs a nose touch is easy shake wave spin twirl simple tricks that they can do in the kitchen for a little bit of hand feeding all right so one way to help build the relationship is through food rewards or just their food, their, their meal. Another way that we can build the relationship is through play. And I have seen play, some dogs, doesn't matter how you play with them, they just wanna play. But other dogs are like, what are you doing? This is not play, I'm not enjoying this. So you, when you introduce play, and it could be as simple as a little game of chase. It could be um, some a, a game of tug, it, or or just a petting a petting play. Some dogs enjoy that, but you have to watch your dog's desire for play. Some dogs do not like to be touched, and you go to to push them away or or play tug with them in a roughhousing kind of way. And they say, no, I'm not doing that. Don't touch me, um, get away from me. And they, 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 you can physically see them 
shy away from their owner's hands. So as handlers, when we are building a relationship, we have to be acutely aware of whether or not our dog enjoys the play. Are they enjoying the, the roughhousing that we're doing with them? Are they enjoying a game of, of catch? Are they enjoying a game of tug? Um, if we're throwing a ball for them and they're like looking at you saying, no, I'm not going to pick up that ball, then that's the wrong type of play for them. So you want to find play that your dog enjoys. And if you have to have some parameters around that, um, for tug, tug can be a fabulous way to play with your dog. But you also want to then also train in a take it and an out, a time that is giving your dog permission to snatch a toy out of your hand and a time to release the toy. So those training elements need to be installed before they're totally attached to tug. Um, we don't want to sour our tug game because our dog refuses to out an, an op a, a toy or they snag the toy every single time they do drop it, they re-grip. We don't want re-gripping, um, especially for an aggressive tug player. So the, we wanna build in parameters of what, what does the dog like around ways that we, we play tug effectively. So a take it cue, a, a drop it cue um, and, and build that in. There's also a, a great way to play uh, um, a, a game with your dog is a two toy game. So two toys that are of equal value, they grab one, they play tug with it, you stop playing with that one and you introduce the second toy and they need to drop the first one in order to engage with the next one. So a game of two toys, either tugs or balls, um, anything that the two toys have to be of equal value in order for this to work, but it's a great way to, to build in a game, a, a, a playing game with them that will help to build the relationship. You also may have to experiment with different types of tugs. Um, or different types of toys just in general. So having appropriate size, having different um, lengths or, or, or thickness to the toy can matter to some dogs. Uh, little dogs may not enjoy a big tennis ball, but they'll enjoy a little one. Pay attention to whether or not your dog is enjoying the toy or they just enjoy watching you play with the toy. So we wanna make sure that our, our dogs are engaging in it. And the other thing is when you are playing either the two toy game or the tug game, let your dog grab the toy, let them pull it, let them have it. Um, we want them to come back to you. That's part of the relationship building is can they interact with you and the toy if they're taking the toy and taking off with it, all of a sudden we're, we're, we're losing the relationship again. Um, and so, but, but if they, if you want them to have the relationship, we need to see that, that they can have the toy and bring it back to you. So it's not just about you having the toy the entire time. It's them getting control of the toy 
and the relationship is so strong that they bring the toy back to you. They ask you, will you play with me? That is, is relationship building. In order for your dog's drive for tugging and playing to build, we have to let our dogs grab the toy and play with it. Dogs need a long history. Unless they are ravenous about tug, there will come a point where they'll be like, yeah, it's not for me anymore because it's not, it's not rewarding to me when you're attached to the toy. So allow them to catch it allow them to pull it, um, build in a take it and a drop in cue that is effective for your dog um, and let the game of either fetch or tug build the relationship, not damage the relationship. All right, so we have feeding our dogs by hand. We have building in some tricks while we're hand feeding them. We're uh, introducing play if that is something that your dogs are driven by, if it will help to build the relationship. What is one more thing that can either build a relationship or can destroy a relationship? When a dog does make the decision to go away from you when they leave you. What happens when they make the decision to return to you? Either you approach them and pick them up, get their nose off the ground, or they make the decision to return to you. What happens in that moment, the moment that they return to you, are they coming back to a grumpy, angry, upset handler? Or are they welcomed back regardless of how long it took them? What happens in that moment will help predict what happens in the future. What happens, what their behavior becomes when they return to you. If your dog decides to come back to you and you are not there to tell them that they are right, you are not present in the moment and do not give them positive feedback, either by verbal praise or a little bit of play, eye contact or a food reward for coming back in. If they come back, to a grumpy, frustrated, angry owner, they are going to take longer the next time. You have to reward them. You have to reward them and tell them that coming back to you, no matter how long it took them, is worth it. That it was the right choice and that it's worthwhile to come back into you. You will reward them, you will acknowledge them, you will connect with them and keep the relationship built up, not destroy the relationship by being grumpy, angry, frustrated, but you will 
tell them, yes, coming back into you is worth it, is the right thing to do and will benefit them each and every time. We must, we must, we must, when our dogs return to us, engage with them. Let them know that you coming back into me will result in a, a play session or a game of chase or you, a food reward. Um, you'll let them jump on you and you'll push them back and let them jump on you again. Um, throw a cookie away from, from you. So they come running into you, you take a cookie, and you throw the cookie away from you, they snatch the cookie and they come back for more. What happens when they come back in matters. It matters. You must engage with your dog. Tell them that they are right. Play with them. Interact with them. Let them know that coming back into you is worth it. Don't let your dog know that you're grumpy. Don't let your dog know that you're angry. Don't let your dog know that you're frustrated. Or worse, here, here's something that's worse. Your dog comes back into you and you completely ignore them. Oh my gosh, they're coming back into you. They're looking for direction. They're trying to build a relationship with you and you completely ignore them. Oh my gosh, nothing worse than that. Okay, hitting your dog is worse than that, but ignoring them is very, it's a negative, a very powerful negative message that you don't care. You have to be present. You have to give your dog feedback that making the decision to come back into you was the right one. Don't ignore them. Don't be grumpy with them. Tell them they're right. Build the relationship. Don't destroy it. All right, so when our dogs do leave us, when they go sniffing on the ground, if they run off in the agility arena or obedience arena or the dog park, it doesn't matter where they're going, the backyard, the front yard, it doesn't matter when and where they are leaving us. What matters is what happens upon their return. So them returning, they are giving you feedback I want to be in this relationship. I want to be near you. And you must be present and let them know that that decision to return to you, it, it, it will benefit them. It will benefit them in the end. They will either get a play session or a tug session or a food reward or a verbal praise. It, it doesn't matter what you're giving them. Give them some interaction that you are in the relationship just as much as they are in the relationship and build that relationship up. Build it, build it, build it. Make sure you're present. Make sure that you're telling them that it is worth it for them to come back in. Let them know that they're right. All right, I want to go on a little side note here about how we reward uh, with food rewards, how we reward our dogs with food rewards. So I have seen dogs come in for a reward. The handler hands them a cookie and the dog shoots off and takes off again. So like a little flyby, they come in, grab the reward and take off again. Learning how to dish out cookies so that dogs are driven to want more. They're driven to stay with you to see is, is there another one coming? That is a learned behavior. And 
I have a system where well, I call fast food fine dining. Uh, this comes straight out of Gene Donaldson um, stuff. So fast food versus fine dining. And this is essentially how it goes. So you have two cookies of the same size. They're equal size, equal value. Um, and you hand the one cookie to your dog and they eat it, they swallow it, it's done, fast food. They've, they, they've gotten their meal and they're gone. That's fast food. Fine dining is taking that exact same size cookie and breaking it up and making it a fine meal for them, making it drawing out the reward. So taking that one cookie, breaking off, and I like to use cheese or something that mushes out easily. So cookies that break, they have a tendency to throw kind of cookie dust everywhere, which it, it will end up in the grass, end up on the floor, and all of a sudden you have a dog sniffing again. I prefer to have food that I can, I can tear apart easily so it's semi-moist. Um, cheese is great. There are lots of dog treats out there. Meatballs are great. Um, but you take that cookie that is the same size as your fast food and you start breaking it up and giving it to them one little part of the meal at a time. So we start off with water, then we go to an appetizer, then here comes a piece of, of the salad, and oh, don't forget about a, a, either a soda or wine or beer. Then comes the main meal, and then we end up with a little bit more water and a, a, a dessert and an after dinner drink. So our same size piece of cookie went from one chunk, dog grabs it, fast food, they're out the door, they're gone, and then fine dining them with the exact same size piece of cookie, but now we've drawn it out. We've made it into 10 little cookies. There's a comic strip out there where the dogs are taking the owner to court for taking one cookie and breaking it up into many and counting it as one that is fine dining and that is what we want to do we want to draw it out um and and it's not eating 10 cookies out of our palm at once that's still considered fast food no this is one cookie one at a time pulling our hands out of their mouths and like like oh what else do i have what else do i have and then handing them another one and almost making them pull the cookie out of our fingers um, excitedly like oh my gosh that's the best thing you've ever given me meanwhile it's the exact same thing that we gave them uh, uh, two hours ago but they love it uh, so fine dining versus fast food and don't get me wrong there are time and a place for fast food when you need your dog to see the cookie on the ground quickly so that they don't sniff they they see it and they grab it and they go that is fast food. Those are big chunks of, of food that they can easily see. Don't forget, dogs are colorblind. So if your food is the exact same colors or similar color to the ground that they're eating off of, then they go into sniffing mode. And we do not want sniffing mode. So the food is high contrast from the ground that they're being fed from. And it is that big, chunky, fast food 
that we want them to see. And if they don't see it, you point it out to them immediately. This is not a game of find it. Find it is different than there it is, grab it, let's go. We want our dog's nose off the ground. We don't want them sniffing. So in agility, I do not encourage a find it um, when you're working agility stuff. We want them to see it, grab it, go, come back for more, do it again. So rewarding our dogs through fine dining, when we need their attention, we, we want them to desire to be with us and then fast food when we need them to see it on the ground, grab it and go. There's your difference between fast food, fine dining, and learn how to feed your dog effectively so that they are not um, losing hope that they're never gonna get something. There's another game out there that I call mugging, mugging of the hand. And mugging of the hand is a management tool that I use, but I will use it when I need to move my dog from one area to another and I need them in focus. And over time, dogs learn that, ah, this section of territory is a mugging mode and they learn how to stay in your hand through mugging. So here are the times that um, I use mugging. Um, I use mugging in a tight aisle way at a trial. I, whenever I'm passing dogs that are in close quarters or passing people that are in close quarters and I don't want my dog to be out of attention from me, I will use mugging to help move them from one area of the trial to another. Um, I will also use mugging in training when I want to go from uh, the end of a sequence back to the beginning of the sequence. So moving them from the end of a sequence, moving them back to the start line, I will allow them to stay in mugging mode uh, from the end back to the beginning. So kind of a reset, um, getting them past equipment that I don't want them to take, but I'm not in training mode, if that makes sense. So you are in training mode, you're training mugging. However, it's not actively training Agility is the in-between of agility. And so it, it is training in its own right, but it's a different type of management type training. So you can have healing focus training or allowing them to mug, which is a little bit more of a management mode to get them back to a start line or back to a, a reset point of where you're starting your exercise again. Right, so what is mugging? Mugging is taking um, a big chunk of cheese or a big chunk of hot dog, putting it under your thumb, opening up your other fingers so that you're kind of high-fiving with your thumb holding onto a cookie in the middle of your palm and allowing your dog to grab small sloughs of food as you move them back towards wherever you want to move them. Um, and so generally my hand is at my hip or at my knee, depending on the size of my dog. And I can move it either in front of me, allowing my dog to forge, or I can drop it back behind me, um, keeping my dog, um, uh, what's it called, lagging. So they're lagging behind me, or they're at heel position, at my hip, at my knee, or I'm allowing them to forge, depending on where I put my hand. So I can manipulate my dog to stay in a specific position relative to my leg, depending on where I put my hand. 
So that is mugging and, and allowing them to either lick it or grab little bites of it as we're going back to the start line um, or back to my reset point. And I don't necessarily give them the cookie at the end. So I will allow them to mug and slough and lick and, and chew on it as much as possible, but that doesn't mean that they get it at the end. I may have uh, to reset them immediately and we go on to another exercise, which means that the cookie is still in my hand or, or I've moved it to my pocket, um, or I will give it to them, or I'll start to fine dine them with whatever is left of that cookie once I get back to my start point. Here's where we stand. We need to build the relationship and we can start building that relationship by hand feeding our dogs. We can build the relationship with play, effective play that your dog likes. We can build the relationship with trick training while we're hand feeding if we want to or just trick training all on its own. We can um, effectively um, learn how to feed our dogs with fine dining them versus fast food. Um, we can allow them to mug, build the relationship of not punishment for looking at another dog, but, a, but this is what you can do. You can mug my hand as opposed to pay attention to other dogs. So building that relationship um, through food as opposed to breaking it down with adversives. All right, so this is what we have. We need to build the relationship and we can start by building the relationship through hand feeding, taking whatever is in their food bowl and start to hand feed our dogs two or three weeks at a time throughout their life. Whenever we need to build that relationship up, we can go back into hand feeding our dogs. We can go into trick training, obedience training, building up structure for our dogs that they can then rely on. We can build our relationship through play, um, effective play that our dog likes. So sometimes we like play to play tug a lot and they do not. So we have to find play that our dogs like. Um, we also need to be very aware of our response when our dogs do leave and then they return to us what are we telling them? Let them know that returning to you is a positive thing. Even if you have to go and get them, them finally turning and, and giving you any sort of focus is a good thing. We'll get them a, a good response from you. Be present in the moment. Be especially present in the moment if they make the decision to return to you. So they are actively seeking you, looking at you, inter wanting to interact with you, be ready and present to respond to them in a positive way. We can learn how to do fine dining versus fast food, and we can learn, teach them how to mug our hands as a, an effective management tool to get them from one place to another. We want our relationship to be built on a primary reinforcer and not you do it because I told you to do it. The power of a primary reinforcer, don't waste it, use it, use their food. All animals, including children, 
are dependent on a primary reinforcer. So use it, whether it be food or housing or access to water, they all will benefit from using a primary reinforcer to help achieve uh, the, and build the relationship rather than break it down. Or worse, ignore it when they are actively trying to establish a relationship with us. All right, here's the kicker. All breeds of dogs are different, but there are some dogs that are more likely or, or are, are, are drawn to, um, for lack of a better word, to please us. Um, they, they want the relationship almost out of the gate, almost, almost from being born. Um, and, and most of us know what breeds those are. Those are Labradors, Golden Retrievers, uh, Border Collies, Shetland Sheepdogs. Their, their innate sense to want to work with us and please us, um, it, it, it can be very strong and, and we can use that to our benefit. But here's the thing, if we do them wrong, if we start telling them or ignoring them, they will start to go to the environment to self-soothe themselves as well. So not only will our, our dogs that want to be with us and want to please us, not only can we actively drive them away, but those dogs that are not drawn to please us, those dogs that are bred to work away from us, those dogs that are bred to um, think on their own and be on their own, our terriers, our sighthounds, they actively already are okay with having an independent relationship with us. And so if we do them wrong, we really are gonna have to repair the relationship and work harder at it than than some other breeds of dogs. And so don't take any breed for granted. Even our Goldens and our Labradors who love to be with us, we can do them wrong by not giving them positive interaction and build that and keep that positive relationship that they so desperately want. But our Terriers and our um, Hound Dogs they are actively bred to work away from us. And so we must pay particular attention to keeping that relationship strong, rebuilding it from time to time to keep it um, um, going in the direction that we want and actively work to not undermine it by punishing them for returning to us. So pay attention to what your dog is telling you. If they don't wanna be with you, you need to up your game and, and work harder to use the primary reinforcer to keep the relationship building. They have to eat to live, use their food to build your relationship. All right, so for our independent uh, crew, our terriers, our hound group, keep the relationship positive build the relationship. There's already that streak of them being, um, uh, having the ability to work independent of you and the, the, they're bred to work away from you. They're bred to make their own decisions. And so you have to work twice as hard 
as your herding breeds and some of your sporting dogs to keep that relationship built. Hand feed them, um, do some fine dining with them, play with them, but watch for them telling you when it's not working and change your strategies to build the relationship and not destroy the relationship. Thank you for joining me. This has been Go Get a Agility Podcast. And please like and subscribe and tell your friends. Woof, woof. <laughs>